Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Millennial Crisis. I am so excited for you guys to hear this chat. This week, I chat with Mike Yates. He is a two-times TEDx speaker, an educator, a teacher, and he teaches at this awesome school called Alpha, which is like this modern day school where they do things totally different. I know a lot of us have already been speaking about the education system and the flaws in it and how it's kind of stuck in the stone age. Mike has not only the most amazing outlook on how teachers can do better and progress and be more than just teachers, he's transforming the education system himself. So it is really exciting. I hope you guys enjoy this chat just as much as I did. Wait till the end for the challenge because the challenge Mike sets us is pretty epic this week. So without me yapping on too much, let's jump straight into my chat with my chat with Mike Yates. The millennial, the millennial me. This is The Millennial Crisis by Demi Kotsouris, Wi-Fi not included. Thank you so much, Mike, for being on the podcast. I'm really excited to have you on today. We are going to be chatting all things education, which I'm really excited about because it's an industry that I'm not in, but I see so many flaws in, as probably do most of my listeners. Yeah, super happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Let's start off with a bit of your background. So your mother was a teacher, right? I just finished listening to your TED Talk, which was incredible, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, my mother was, uh, she was a teacher. She was an incredible teacher and I, you know, very fortunate to have her growing up. Education was a huge thing in your house. Is that what inspired you to be a teacher? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, because my mom was a teacher, education was elevated in my house like I you know it it was the way out for me you know some people thought it was music some people thought it was athletics for me I knew it was education like that was how my mom pulled us out of poverty and and so it was kind of all I knew amazing yeah and so in school um was was your mom really really hard on you or how how did that go uh when you were younger being a teacher yeah yeah like my mom was so hard on me because she knew like you know like you you can fool some parents uh but my mom knew the game right and and she was not a not a teacher who played by the rules or who uh you know she was different she was uh she broke the rules herself so she it was it was very very hard you know at one point I ended up at the like going to the same school where she worked uh so it was it was it was rough it was rough (laughs) Yeah. I mean, any kids get kind of worst nightmare at the time, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So like I wouldn't, I, I, I did well by, by a lot of people's standards, but I think it's because the school system was just shockingly easy. One of my friends in my group that when we were in year 12, our final year, she was like, I, I figured out how to, to do it. You just have to read the question properly. I was like, right, what exactly. is she on about? I was like, I fucking keep reading this question. I don't see the difference, you know? It's kind of strange now because it's what I preach to everyone when I teach marketing things. It's like she knew her audience. She knew what mm-hmm. she needed to give the teacher or the person that was correcting the work. And because of that, she would do a quarter of the time of the homework or the study that we would all do and just absolutely annihilate us in, in result. Whereas I took the approach of like, I'm not going to need to use this in my life. Let me look at things outside of school that I can 
entertain myself with. But I think, I actually think that that's the right way, right? Like if there's a right way, like I would have preferred to do it the way you did it. Because (laughs) at, at the end of the day, like if you figure out the game, like if you hack the system, at the end of the day, you're still playing the game, right? And I wish I, I wish I had not played along. I, that, that is, it's interesting you say that. Like my, my, one of my only regrets in life is that I should have built a business that was twice as big while I was in high school because I should have, I should have said screw, screw calculus and screw these stupid subjects that I have to take. Let's talk a little bit about what you are doing to change the system because I have a lot of friends who are teachers and they are struggling right now with students questioning the way the curriculum works. In particular, you know, when we were in school, our teachers may come back with us to, why do we have to do math? Well, you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket all the time. And now kids can just pull out their iPhones. Yeah, I guess I want to hear a little bit about what you're doing to combat things like this. In, in direct response to that, my advice to those teachers would be to, to start teaching to the future. When I was in a regular classroom, that was what I was hell bent on doing that. And if I ever, I had this rule that if a kid ever came to me and said, hey, I don't feel like this particular thing that we're learning matters for the everyday world, I would say, okay, prove to me that it doesn't. And then when they did, I would say, cool. And we would throw it out and do something else. And I would design it with that kid. So I would say like dare to take that risk. And like the, the, the craziest year I ever had teaching was I was teaching geography. Um, and, uh, you know, in high school and these parents would get really upset with me because they would come meet with me and say, I'm dissatisfied with this class because my kid is not memorizing capitals of all the countries in the world. My kid's not coloring maps. My kid doesn't know how to find the UK on a map. And I would say, well, yeah, it's because we're not working on that in in class. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They would say, well, why not? And I'd pull out my phone and I'd say, hey, Siri, where's the United Kingdom? And Siri would show up. And then I'd say, hey, I'll show you guys one more. And I'd say, hey, Siri, planes overhead. And Siri would show you the exact planes and like the flight numbers that are flying above you right now at that instant. And it would drive parents nuts because they couldn't, like they couldn't understand a, a, a type of education that was not exactly like the one that they had. Right. And so that, that leads me to like, primarily that's what I'm doing. I am trying to, with every fiber in my being and every like every speech that I do, every project that I work on, every school that, that I teach in, I am trying to make people think about the future. I wish that when I was 15 years old, somebody could have, would have looked at me and said, you're a great public speaker. You should be making 10 videos per month on YouTube. Mm. I, I wish that it happened. Right? I, I wish somebody had told me like when I was 19 years old and in college, very similar to your experience, like you should be online documenting these cool things that you're doing, building a personal brand. I wish that that had happened. So uh, I work at a school called Alpha and then Alpha, what we have done is we have conceded the fact that we will never change in the United States 
the idea that kids have to learn math and science and reading and writing. But we have reorganized the school day and oriented it towards what we believe are the more important skills to learn, like life skills, public speaking, creativity, grit, all those things that everybody thinks are really important. So we use adaptive learning software, which is, uh, it has the same algorithm that Netflix or Amazon has, right? Like you, you buy something and the algorithm suggests something that's very similar or that, that could go with it. In, in these software, you like answer a math question and based on your answer, whether it's right or wrong, it gives you either a question that's harder or less, uh, less difficult so that you can learn. We use those apps as the teacher. So there's no math teacher, there's a math app. There's no reading teacher, there's a reading app. And what we found is that those apps cut down the academic portion of the school day. So kids only do like school school at Alpha for two hours, from 9 a.m. until 11 a.m. And then the rest of the day, they're doing life skills projects, they're doing workshops. Like I taught a workshop teaching kids how to flip stuff on eBay. Right now I'm teaching kids how to grow to a thousand followers on Instagram, right? And, and, and so we have space and time to do all these crazy things. Um, I say crazy, all these like things that are really, really important <laughs> that shouldn't be crazy, but everybody else thinks are crazy. Uh, we have time because we've just reduced the academic workload. Um, above that, every kid in our school, almost every kid, 67% of the kids in our school perform in the 90th percentile of the nation in all academic subjects and another 23 performing the 99th percentile. Crazy. So they are, they're crushing it. And it's, it's, there's no grades in the school. The only thing we focus on is work. It's just time. Like you just got to put in the time, put in the work and you will get better. There is no kid in the world. There's no kid on planet earth that will not get better at math by doing math. This is not how the brain works. So we, we don't focus on a grade. No, no kid has a, a number grade or like, a, like you didn't get an F or a D. It's just, did you spend enough time? Yes or no, period. All right. And so that, that's what I'm doing in my day job. And then um, I'm also creating a, an app uh, where we are going to use micro video content, very similar to the way that TikTok or Firework TV packages their video content. But we're going to make it specifically for life skills education. Um, we're going to create a platform where kids can go learn whatever skill they want to from these very exciting creators and we'll even be able to create content themselves. Uh, we'll link them to internships. We'll, we'll, we'll connect them to business leaders um, through our platform as well. Um, and so really it's just this total effort to teach life skills and to teach the things that everybody thinks are really, really important, um, but that our traditional school system just won't do. Amazing. First, first question I have is now that it's at the top of my mind is with the, the app that you're developing, would you say that that would make, I guess, education or that level of education accessible to more people? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Because I yeah. think also, I mean, even if we're talking about the old system, one of the struggles could be I could do really great in let's say prep and then in year one do really, really bad in the same subject because maybe I didn't relate to the teacher mm -hmm. in that same yep. way. Right. So I guess you're cutting out that kind of part by creating these, these algorithms and, and content that could appeal to different people. I guess you'd be able to filter through and pick the different kinds of content that make you understand the work better. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And I, you know, I think, in education, most people are afraid of technology, mm. but for, 
for us to go forward, we have to embrace all the things that technology brings. And if, we, if you really think deeply about it, in, in my current professional experience, I spend more face time and more relationship building time with kids now than I ever have because I am not expected to stand up and lecture, right? In a regular school, you lecture for eight, six to eight hours a day. Right? Like you stand up in front of a class, you lecture, you lead activities, all this stuff, but you don't, you don't have a whole lot of time to sit down next to a kid and be like, Hey, like, what do you love? What do you mm. like doing? What's your favorite? Right. But now I have that time, right? Uh, normal school is, is like teachers are always strapped for time because they're teaching to a test and that test has a deadline. And we got to make sure that by that date, kid knows X, Y, and Z, or that we've at least covered X, Y, and Z so that the state doesn't fire us. Right. Like, uh, and so all of those boundaries are gone with what I'm currently doing and I have more time. So technology actually creates more human moments in education. Mm. Like, I think, I think like, if you th think, if you think about what, what, uh, the, the, the application in other, in other industries, think, think about Uber, like th think about the, the, like the fact that Uber, while a lot of people said, oh, this is going to destroy the taxi industry. Number one, it really hasn't destroyed the taxi industry in the United States, but, but even if it does, right, even if Uber replaces taxis, at some point, um, you, you, you may have uh, hopped in an Uber with a friend and had this really great conversation that you may not have been able to have, like face-to-face, -face, if you were driving and your friend was sitting in the passenger seat. Mm. Or if you guys are riding the sub, right? Like Uber, Uber has, in a lot of ways, created moments of human connection. Uber drivers are ten, gen, generally more friendly than taxi drivers, right? So like technology creates more human moments for us. Mm. What you're saying is, I guess, the difference between Uber drivers and taxi drivers is Uber drivers almost, it sounds silly, but like they choose to be there, right? There's an right. extra choice versus the taxi driver that, you know, that's his I mean, it is an Uber driver's job as well, but for a taxi driver, it's the clock in, clock out style, where right. for the Uber driver, it's like, yeah, I feel like driving today. Let, let's make some money. Yeah, yeah. and one, yeah. one of the other important things, in that, and one of the things I think that schools, education can take from Uber, is that the Uber driver is nice to you because your rating has a direct impact on whether they can keep driving or not, mm. right? Like, if I, if, if I don't rate that driver high, most people will... We'll, we'll skip right past them. Like they won't be able to get rides. And so one of the things that we, we, we do at Alpha and, and one of the things I believe about education is that more teachers should start sitting on the desk, looking at the kids after class and saying, how'd you feel about this lesson? Did it suck? Was it yeah. great? What was good about it? What can we do better? Teachers should start co-designing learning experience with kids. Like if, if, if the kid knows that I can go to the teacher and say, yo, like that was boring. I didn't get anything from it and you will listen and redesign it, then just like Uber drivers are super nice and friendly and they provide a great service, education, the service that education might, might provide might get a whole lot better. Yeah, so interesting. Um, now, let's talk about Alpha. So how, how are the classrooms? Is it like a normal school uh, in terms of the, the classes and the sizes and all of that stuff? Or Yeah, most people, when I talk to them about Alpha, like you have to see it to believe it. Um, and not really, really? Understand. But Alpha, there are no classrooms. Wow. The place where we have our high school is 
in an old concert venue and bar. <laughs> there, there is, we're in downtown Austin, Texas. Uh, there is, there are, there are no classrooms. There's only like open workspace because every kid to do their academics is on a laptop and they are working on different subjects in different places on their own, at their own pace. Like so, a, almost like a co-working space. If we were to pick yep. just something. Okay, cool. Yep. Co-working space. Wow. For kids. Like imagine you walk into WeWork and everybody's 13. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's, yeah. that's it. So how much screen time do the students have versus would you say a normal school? I used to say higher, but then I realized something really important is that it's actually not true. If you think about most teachers, most teachers or when it existed, most teachers used the overhead projector quite frequently. Mm -hmm. Remember the overhead projector? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With the transparency. And then they switched that out with PowerPoint presentations. Almost every teacher I know habitually creates PowerPoint presentations. And the one thing that like nobody, nobody really thinks about is the fact that that, that screen is still a screen. Mm -hmm. So it is highly likely that there's a large percentage of students in the world that are spending six to eight hours a day looking at a big PowerPoint screen. I actually think I could make the argument that our kids spend less screen time than most because I call it the alpha effect. I'm going to coin this and write this in some, some <laughs> scientific journal at some point. But because they're spending the first two hours of their day on a computer doing academics, a lot of the times they, when they close that thing at 11 o'clock, they don't want to open it back up again. The number one complaint we get when we run workshops or when they have to do projects is like, hey, like, I don't want to, I don't want to be on the computer anymore. Uh, like, because now they're associating that computer being open with math or science or the things that they don't really have. Um, and they have opportunities to do other things. So I would argue that they, that they, in a lot of ways, they get less screen time. It's just one of the things that I'm not even really worried about. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I have four kids of my own at home and uh, they don't go to my school because uh, they're not old enough yet. But uh, we run a version of the school at my house <laughs> using, using iPads. And uh, they, they spend, you know, an hour a day on these iPads and they normally ask to get on again later on because they think it's so much fun. In general, they probably spend less time than most kids. Mm. Yeah. The, the reason I ask is because I, I mean, I don't think we can escape the, the screen time thing these days. I mean, uh, you go out to restaurants now and half the kids, more than half the kids are, are playing on screens. So the parents are just like, shut up, gives them the tablet. And I mean, if I think of my, when I worked in an office, my whole day was spent in front of a screen. So one of the things we encourage kids, like get up and take a break, get up and walk around, right? Like be social because there is no classrooms. And you know, when kids are working through their apps, they sit with other kids. They, you know, some of them lay on the floor, like whatever, whatever <laughs> they, like you're not expected to be, you know, seated and quiet. So the, the fact that the work environment is a lot more relaxed, I think has a little bit of a calming effect. on. So how long has Alpha been running for? The story is kind of longer than our current existence. Uh, in total, it would be since 2013. Okay. But um, the, the way that it looks and works and feels now, it's only been about two years. I, I'd be so interested to see where these students will be you know when they're in 
if they choose to go to college or university or, you know, in the workforce or what kind of businesses they have built. I wish I'd love to have this conversation with you in another 10, 15 years to see see where it all is and and those students. Because honestly, it it sounds incredible. What's some of the backlash you've gotten? Have you gotten any backlash? What and what has that been been like to, to deal with? So the interesting thing about Alpha is that by and large, I am one of the only people on staff that's sort of like out there talking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I am the only person at Alpha that has developed a personal brand, uh, things like that. Um, and so I, I have, I've actually not gotten a ton of backlash, but I, I have had conversations with people that ask questions that I don't have the answer to yet. Like, like it's it's funny. Like you you said you'd be interested to see where these kids turn, like how they turn out. And so am I. I'm in, like, <laughs> at the, at, you know at the end of the day, this may not work. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. These kids may like. There is a real world where we have kids that could turn eighteen and not be able to get into a university, right? Like like that like, because what we are doing is so different. Mm. And and as far as we know, there's never been anything like it. Universities could look at that and say, well, we don't we don't trust this. The, one of the hardest questions I get is, is, uh, why is, why does the school not exist for low income students yet? The answer that I, that I give is, is, is sort of twofold is, is that it, it doesn't exist for everybody yet. Cause number one, we don't know if it works yet. Yeah. Um, and if it doesn't work, you could argue that introducing this to kids who like really need school to work out for them, uh, like if you're using school as an engine to as, as an engine to achieve upward mobility, you you probably shouldn't be taking a risk mm. uh, with a school that you don't like. Where like the school is super cool, but like you don't know if it's gonna work out. Mm. Um, and the, the other reason why is just because like time, like we, right? Like we just started, <laughs> so um, yeah, as sure. time goes on, you know the school will scale, and we 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 I'm sure we are prepped to scale and everything like that. But um, it just started. I, I do have my own ambitions to to go out and start other versions of this, either with or or outside of the you know alpha umbrella, um, because I I do think especially for lots of students in the country I think this is a great model that will work for them really well. But overall, I don't get much pushback. Yeah, I, I it's so interesting to me that you've said that you're one of the essentially the only one that's that's spreading the word right at. From, yeah. from alpha like this that's so wild considering that it's um you know a, a modern day new adaptation of of school and that i would think that you know word of mouth or this social media spread and and all of that stuff would be something that all of the the teachers or staff would want to be doing but i guess it's still a business at the end of the day you need to i mean you can't just because you spread the word doesn't mean that yeah the, the growth is still there and there's probably time spent better spent in other places but i mean but i i am with you i i it is to me it is a it is it is a mystery <laughs> conundrum why you know there, there's a couple people on staff that like are purposefully anonymous and, and they are so for a very good reason mm-hmm. um uh but for the most part it's just people that they they just don't want to post online like it's just yeah. it like you know i hear like gary vaynerchuk uh, do you listen to Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he talks about this all the time. He's like, I give away my best shit for free because ninety percent of you aren't going to do anything about it. Right. Like, and and you know, I see that play out at my at my job. Like, 
you know, like I'm the only one that's doing something about yeah. it and that's talking yeah. about it. And, and, you know, like uh, for me, you know, teaching in a regular classroom for so long and feeling boxed in and feeling like, you know, there's gotta be another way. And, and uh, I'm going to go off and find that way. When I, when I, when I joined with alpha, I thought, well, like, this is it. And, and I need to start creating some sort of brand equity around the fact that I am contributing and helping to build this future of education because pe I, I believe people need to know. So I've just been documenting my journey around what I'm doing in and outside of Alpha. No, I, I think it's great. And I mean, I found you online uh, yeah. from, from LinkedIn and, and your story. And I mean, like I said, I listened to your TED talk and I thought that was, that was amazing as well. And Thank I you. guess the, my thing is as well is one thing that we we speak about a lot on the podcast is i guess choosing choosing your career right it's something that that's quite difficult and for you education was something that was really prominent in your life with your mum being a teacher and everything but the thing is although you're in education and and you're a teacher that's not all you are you've evolved so much since you began to now a lot of us get scared for me I was like oh marketing like I'm in marketing now I'm stuck in marketing and you forget that these days you can evolve and marketing can turn into UX design it can turn into teaching marketing workshops it can turn into building your brand on social media because you have those skills um so what what has that been like for you how did you start questioning that and feeling like, okay, where can I go from here? Yeah, and, and you're right. I've, I've felt a very similar way. Uh, I, so what, the, the thing that I did was that I gave myself the freedom to move, to, to hop schools. I have never stayed at a school longer than two years. Which is, um, they, they tell us not to do that, right? Right. <laughs> Everything. They, they it's say, like, no, don't stay. You have to stay for longer than, mm -hmm. you know, a year or two years. If, even if you don't right. like it, it looks so bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to show, got to show on your resume, you have mm -hmm. to show that you commit to something. I'm like, whatever. You know, like, <laughs> I, uh, I ta I've taught in public, private, and charter schools. Um, and I gave myself the freedom to leave if I was unhappy, even mm -hmm. as a teacher. And uh, I made these rules for myself. When I, when I was a first year teacher, I uh, became obsessed with the way that LeBron James, um, the basketball player, uh, plays for the Lakers now, um, I was obsessed with the way that he treated the NBA. So he plays in the, in the you know, he's, he's the best player in the world. And he, for a long time, only signed a one year deal with whatever team he was on. Wow. And I sort of watched what he did to create influence and leverage for himself. Number one, he practiced and he was the best. He made sure that there was nobody on that team was better than him. He never gave an assurance that he was coming back because he, he demanded to be treated a specific way. He recruited his friends. And when he felt it was time to go, he went. I took those four rules and adapted them to teaching. I became, at every school, I believe I became the best teacher in that building. I did everything I could for my students. I demanded cutting edge technology. I, I feel like I held kids accountable in ways that nobody else did. I coached, I did all sorts of extra things 
to where I made myself very valuable to every faculty that I worked for. Um, I constantly recruited to get my friends to come teach with me. And when administration wouldn't hire them and I, and I found myself unhappy, I left. And I, and I never, I, I have never told a school like, yes, I am coming back next year until the absolute last day. Because jobs like companies are not loyal to employees. And, and this idea of like loyalty on your resume, like that's, that's bullshit. Like the, these, these employers are not loyal to you. They are loyal to that bottom line and those investors and A, B, and C. But for some reason in education, every teacher feels like a school district or the government is supposed to protect them and be loyal. And that's just not true. You may love your principal, but at the end of the day, if you stop working out, your principal is going to find a new math teacher. I realized that education was very much so still that field. And I just treated them like LeBron treats the NBA. Um, and for me, that, that gave me this perceived power over the situation and allowed me to move and do the things that I wanted to do. I wasn't afraid to take risk in the classroom. I, I taught at a school where I tried to create this, like with students, I had them create this aqueduct system, this like, like the ancient Romans uh, created this like plumbing system. And I was like, let's create one that's live size in the school. We like flooded out this hallway. Um, and I, I will never forget, I had this meeting with the administration where I actually, if you would have told me like, you know, when I was, you know, 14, 15, that I would have said this to somebody, I wouldn't believe it. But I looked at the administration, I looked at my principal across the table, or w which would be like the headmaster, the head of school. And I was like, I'm the best teacher you got. Like, like, you like, we're going to clean up this water and we're going to go about our day. Cause like, like if you want to make me mad, I will go to another school. And it worked out. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it was weird. And so I gave myself the freedom to be that. And then um, in terms of like learning to innovate, when I got to Alpha, I kind of, I lucked up. Like I, LinkedIn told me that I was the, the in the top 1% of applicants for this position. So I applied and it looked interesting. I interviewed and I found out that they hired one person out of 798 and it was me. And when I got there, I was introduced to lots of people um, that I never thought I would be in the room with, uh, you, you know, lots and lots of people. And, and it opened my eyes as an educator to realize that the world is bigger than what I knew it to be and that there's much more opportunity and that I have a story that people want to hear. So that became like when I decided to build personal brand um, six months ago, that became no why six months ago. Yeah. It's, it's just been six months. Fuck it, um, well, mate. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, I did it because I wanted other teachers to be able to say, Holy crap. I want to do what that guy's doing. Yeah. Um, I, I, my goal is to really like inspire other teachers to say, like, screw this system. Like, let's go, let's go build a new thing. And I, and I want teachers to know that like you can be an entrepreneur and you can side hustle. And if there's anybody who can hold down a job and build a company, it is a teacher, right? Like it, it like, like people are powerful in general, you know, like, so I, I that, that's, that's kind of why I do what I do. But, but w once I got to Alpha, my eyes opened. Mm. Amazing. No, I love that. And I think there's so, so many lessons for anyone, whether they're a teacher or not to take out of that. It was really interesting 
the the part where you said that you looked at <laughs> at the the principal to say I'm the best teacher you have and it was that not being afraid of leaving and right. and knowing your worth that I think is really important in the workplace and it can be done in so many different ways like you said I think in the beginning sometimes it might be just uh, false confidence you know or yep bit of arrogance because I was quite similar when I was younger it was like yeah 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 I'm great I'm this but then mm-hmm. I turned that into always having a second or third job it was like you need me more than I need you and that was what got me to be doing things that people in the same industry as me were like how the fuck do you work four days a week you know yeah, 100%, how you, yeah how exactly how you to work four days a week it's like because I asked, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. you, you know, if you believe in yourself enough, you know, you can get these things you choose, you choose your hours, you choose the effort you put into the work you do, you choose what you want to do. And it's, I mean, it takes time to, to make something what you want. You have to have those grind years and years where you're, where you like, like Gary V always says, like, you got to eat shit. Like that's yeah. like, those years where things suck sometimes. Like, that's where you pull from when you start getting, gaining traction. Like, you know, I, I was telling a friend yesterday, I was like, bro, like, I have not made it. Like, I'm just getting started. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, I got momentum. But that momentum is coming off the back of like five years of like hating my job, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. sucking so that I could, you know, so yeah, like you got to, everybody's still got to pay some dues at some point. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think uh, it's one of the, one of the things that I'm trying to, to tackle with with my podcast and and blog and stuff is that you know like for 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 me now when you said I started taking my personal brand seriously six months ago I'm like damn like wow like it does not seem like that for me it would seem like you've been doing this for ages and you have it's just like silently I guess you know and 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 uh there's so much work that is that is built up for it to be now the time for you to I mean start start having a bigger voice um and and it's funny what we see on online versus the actual work and and struggle that's gone in gone in behind yeah yeah Yeah. now when it comes to to teachers and and you building that personal brand because I guess what what I've realized these days is like it's okay to not think you can solve something on your own. And I think um, inspire doing and then inspiring others to do as well is really the only way we can move forward with a lot of momentum. And so with you working on your personal brand, was it to help? I mean, you mentioned before that you want to inspire other teachers, but was it to encourage them not only to inspire them, but for them to question the system or for them to be able to be, you know, to make moves the way you have. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of, yeah, it's, it's, it's to definitely inspire teachers, but it's also to show, to show the path, like, like, yo guys, like I figured this out, like follow me as I do this. Mm. And it is also to find people that are doing the same thing or maybe thinking about doing the same thing so that we can get this work done together. Yeah. And how has that gone? That's a, uh, another question. Yeah. How has it gone? Have people been reaching out to you the more you have been posting? Yeah. Yeah. People have. And 
you know, I, I get I get a chance to talk to some incredible educators that are doing some incredible things. It has both been people reaching out to me and me reaching out to people. As a matter of fact, the story of how Guide got started was my co-founders, Tim and Taban, we had never been in the same room before. No we had never met each other face to face. We only saw what each other was posting about on LinkedIn. And it was on a LinkedIn message thread where the three of us got on a Google chat call and decided <laughs> to launch this company. And for the first three months of us working on this company, we had never seen each other face to face. It had only been through video call. So it's just like, it, it has been people reaching out to me. Um, I recently ended up uh, getting a feature in Forbes and after that feature went live, so many people reached out to me um, in support, but also a lot of people reached out wanting to work on things. And so like tons of projects. And I'm currently, there's a couple of educators that I am currently like straight up targeting because I want to work with them, <laughs> potentially build a school with them in different cities uh, in the US. So yeah, like Amazing. people reaching out and I'm reaching out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So cool. I mean, it's one thing that I stress to people all the time is that everyone thinks that socials is about the engagement, right? It's the about right. the amount of likes, the amount of comments, the amount of followers you have. And for me, I mean, I don't have a, a huge following whatsoever, but for me, the biggest thing has been the networking aspect, the people that I've been able to slide into their DMs for and, and right. with a nice message and it does not matter what, it does not matter, you know, how many following you have versus how many they have. It's the, if, if you can connect with someone or engage with someone in the right way and you have the same message, they get to look at your profile as a portfolio. We get caught up in the wrong thing sometimes and it, it's so important to, to have focus on the right kind of results when it comes to socials and personal brand. Absolutely. I, like, I think that is so like such an important point for millennials to understand is that like, listen, like you don't have to have 200,000 followers. If you have 3000 or 300 or 30 committed followers that care about what you're talking about, and will engage with you and help you do the work that you're that you're trying to accomplish like that's everything so like spot on love that when it comes to the workshops that you teach at alpha the ones that are that outside of the the morning computer time what what are they one of my favorite ones is that uh it's i i called it the flip and it was that i was i taught kids how to flip stuff around their house on ebay and make money like they they made real money and they got scammed. Some of them, they made mistakes. <laughs> you know, um, some kids like sold an item and didn't ship it into time. And so had to like issue a refund. And that workshop is really not a, an eBay flipping workshop. It's a workshop on financial responsibility. Yeah. Right? Like the, 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 the problem with a lot of schools is they're like, yeah, kids should learn financial literacy, but kids don't freaking have money. Mm. So you have to let them have money, you know, to, to, to teach them financial responsibility. Yeah, for sure. So, I saw you posted something recently on um, LinkedIn. Oh, it was it today? I'm looking at it now uh, about uh, entrepreneurship is experienced yeah. in practice. And I related to it so much because I'm, I'm on a program currently and everyone kept asking me throughout the course as they got to know me more, 
why did you choose UX design rather than entrepreneurship? You're building a business. It makes no sense. And I was like, because I don't think entrepreneurship is something that can be taught. It's something that you have to do. Right. Like I've tried to start, I mean, the, the biggest learnings came in my life when I tried to build how many things. And first time I tried building a business, it was money, 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 money. And then I realized, oh, you need a bit more than the motivation of money to go past the shit that happens or, right. you know, the struggle and hardship that comes with trying to build something or, you know, not being able to get bored. I mean throughout it so I mean yeah I'm so glad that when you when you told that story first hear that you're teaching a class about flipping pro like products and for kids to make money people some people might be listening being like what the fuck like why would you want to teach that to exactly kids? but it's those skills that come out of it that are so valuable yeah yeah and yeah I mean like I I I believe in entrepreneurship as both a gift and like a skill but I, I, I think of it um, in, in a similar way to like a musician or an athlete, like, like you could learn to sing, you could get voice lessons, but you, nobody who like, nobody who got voice lessons and like learned to be an artist is probably ever going to outdo Beyonce <laughs> because Beyonce was born to, right? Like she was born for this. Mm -hmm. And I think that to some extent, like there are like purebred entrepreneurs they're like that's who they are mm. and then there there are people that have to learn to be an entrepreneur out of the experience mm. and I, I like it's 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 an interesting entrepreneurship is just it's it's like such an interesting concept to me because both of unlike a musician or unlike an athlete where like I don't care how many how many jump shots you practice you'll never be LeBron because mm -hmm. he was born for that an entrepreneur, you can have a purebred entrepreneur and somebody who learns through experience and they can actually get to the same level. I, I, I believe that about entrepreneurship. Like, um, and so I think it's, it's one, of the, one of the very interesting like, phenomenons of the world. And if we can create moments in school where kids can learn to be resilient and they can learn to fail in the right ways, um, not glorifying failure, but using it as a learning process, then we can help kids win and, and help the world improve. Yeah. I, I love what you said there about the kids that are at that school that haven't faced any adversity, because I think the majority of my listeners and I guess my, uh, the, the target audience that I have and the reason I started, you know, uh, defining what a millennial crisis was because it, majority of us are those people that have not faced any kind of adversity. So when we're, when we're hit with, with, small things and stresses and, you know, um, different uh, issues, small issues that happen in our lives. We, we get this guilt of feeling like we're so lucky. There is nothing wrong with our lives. Why do we still feel like shit? Um, yeah. And, and teaching different things like that from young. I mean, I feel like I was someone that kind of coasted through school. I wasn't the top, top of my class. I wasn't the bottom of my class. I was probably like just above the average area. And mm -hmm. I think that can be a really dangerous place to be. Was having kids a real uh, driver for you? Is that something that, that kind of pushed you to want to do, to do more and go harder or? Yeah. Yeah, it did. Um, and it put me in a position where I had no choice. Um, yeah. You know, I, um, my, my wife and I got married young 
uh, we got married at 23. And, wow, yeah. and we had, you know, we got married and had our first kid at 23. And um, a part of it was because, you know, I grew up, uh, like I, you know, I experienced a lot growing up and, you know, would be not having a father around. Uh, my, my father was in prison my whole life. Uh, I was determined to, um, to create a family unit um, that, that I was committed to that I love. And um, I didn't know when I was going to meet the, you know, the woman of my dream. Uh, but I, I had a list, you know, like I was looking, like I was like, <laughs> uh, because I just didn't want to waste time. And I, and I, fortunately I had a best friend that, you know, he was the same way. And he and I, like, I'll never forget. We sat on the top of this parking garage once, like overlooking uh, this, the city of Austin and just talked about like where our lives would be in, in, in 10 years. And, and, uh, they're pretty close to what we talked about. Um, you know, we were both in each other's weddings and stuff like that. But when I met uh, the woman who I married, uh, I, I just knew it. Like I saw her and was like, yep, that's it. And I was like, I'm going to be with this woman for the rest of my life. There's no question. So we got married at 23, had our first kid at 23. And ever since then, like when I see their faces, you know, we have four of them now. Uh, when I see their faces and I talk to them and I see the way that they get excited about anything, like, you know, like my son is in the dinosaurs right now, my oldest, <laughs> and he can, he thinks that he can tell you everything about every dinosaur that, that ever existed. So much so where there's a, there's a number of dinosaurs that he will tell you are fake and the government invented. Right? <laughs> the kid's five, right? And, and. Stop. Yeah, like we don't want to send them to school because somebody at school is going to say, like some teacher is going to tell them like, hey, well, like dinosaurs aren't important right now. Like you have to do math. And so we would rather create a school for other kids uh, like that's special, kind of like what Alpha's doing, um, that where he can go to school and learn about dinosaurs. Like why not learn about dinosaurs? Yeah. yeah. Um, like he's learning to read by by learning about dinosaurs. So, you know, uh, but they they drive they drive me in every way. Like they are why I stay up and hustle. Like they are why I build personal brand. Like they those kids and my wife are why I do everything. Amazing, and I I love the story about how you and your best friend sat sat up and yeah. and thought about thought about where your life is and. Is the the approach of you know how you you knew you were looking for for a special someone and and you wrote uh, down all the things you were looking for? Is that how you approach I guess goal setting or the future for for the work you want to do? Do you do you sit down every year or every few years or every few months and and say, well, these are the things that I want to do, and I guess this is what it looks like. Uh, somewhat. Um, yeah. So I, 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 I audit myself every day. I, I, I wake up and I, and I, I sort of, uh, not really in an analytical way, this very sloppy way, honestly, like I sort of like think about conversations that I want to have during the day. I think about things that I want to do during the day. Um, and every day before I go to bed, I think I, I, I really run through this list in my head. Like, did I, did I accomplish this? Um, I, I have, in, in life, I really, I have two goals. Um, and, and the, 
the first goal is is all family like it is to love my family well and the second goal is not something that i have a clear picture of yet and i'm cool with that it is just to change education it's just to change the world um my my goal is to like when i die i want people to come to my funeral and i want my kids to give a speech and i want them to say like that dude in that casket was crazy like he he was wild he he played with us he taught us he loved us right like he would do anything for us and the world like that that so that's kind of like what i, I audit myself against that every day like did i do things to contribute to that moment and I know it's weird and a little bit morbid but it's what it's it's what drives me no no I I think that's amazing it's the reason I asked I asked the question because I think a lot of us think sometimes that things just happen we just expect things to happen these days Mm -hmm. but I think you you have to put in the work and you have to identify what your intention is for a day or or your life or something and so yeah, I, I really love that. That's that's very cool. Um, yeah. So I have three questions that I ask my guests at the end of um, every episode. So we'll jump okay. straight into them. The first one is, uh, what was the first step you took to achieve what you were currently doing? Yeah, the, the first thing that I did to get to where, I'm, where, where I am now professionally is that I purposefully forgot everything that I learned when I, when I trained for a teacher, when I trained to be a teacher. Like everything in that pre-service training, I was like, well, screw that. <laughs> time, time to think differently. That was the first thing I did. Which is a really ballsy thing to do as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to accept uh, wasted time or, or, yeah. or things like that, right? Awesome. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, what would you consider to be uh, your biggest millennial crisis right now? My my biggest millennial crisis is um, like building a startup, right? Like like trying to decide how how hard to pursue this, right? Like I, you know, like it, you know, we 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 just got two years of Amazon of AWS credits for our app where you know like it's going to cut down our costs tremendously and i am still where i'm like do, do i want to be in this business at all right like it's gonna it's gonna change some kids lives it's gonna be successful but my crisis is like do i want to be in the e-learning business and third question is what is one thing you still want to explore or are curious about this sounds it sounds a little weird i think but um, the thing that I've always wondered if I could do is to be a sports broadcaster. Cool. Um, yeah, that was my, you know, when I was growing up, there's a guy uh, on ESPN, his name is Stephen A. Smith. And I used to watch Stephen A. Smith. And when I was younger, I would mimic him. And I would think to myself, I could do that. Like, I could be that entertaining and that knowledgeable about sports. And there are some days where I legitimately think about making this major pivot and going to work for ESPN just to see if I could do it. Amazing. Amazing. That's so cool. I love that. It, it's, it's so funny because I, I think a lot of us are 
think, you know, we, we get to this point where, you know, even friends and family, like you're saying, you know, I keep saying to you, oh my God, you've, you've done so much. There are so many things you've done. And, and because today we have all of this opportunity and once you realize you can do anything, you start yeah. questioning it. You're like, but I mean, yep. how long can this fulfill me for? And right. what's next? And how can I, can I really start from scratch again? Mm-hmm. You know? think the great thing is that that we can evolve i mean you can be retired and be be doing that for the next the next 30 years i'm alive exactly (laughs) yeah different kind of type of retirement for us these days (laughs) yes that's true right some great answers to those questions mike thank you so much we are getting to the end of the interview unfortunately i set a challenge for all of my listeners every week and you have come back to me and said that you have a challenge in mind. So what do you have in store for us this week? So I have a challenge for you guys that is very similar to one that I give my students. I give them two options. So here they are. The first option is for you to find a rule that everybody follows and break it. The only stipulation is that you can't do something illegal, <laughs> right? But find a rule that everybody follows and break that rule. And, and think about how you felt after you broke that rule. Like, were you more confident? Um, were you more sure of yourself? Did you feel worse about yourself after breaking the rule? Think about that. Um, you can do that or you can think of, a, think of something that you believe or something that you do that everybody else or most people around you disagree with and post about that thing online this week. Cool. I love that. How do you find the students go with that? So they love, they love the, the most of them choose to break a rule. Um, <laughs> of course they do. Yeah. And you know, parents hate it because the rules normally at home, because we don't really have rules at our schools. <laughs> but um, most of them choose to break a rule. Amazing. I love that. I'm really excited to, to take part in that and for everyone else to, to take part in that and see, and see what we come up with. Hopefully um, uh, yeah. everyone follows the, the, the rule of the first one and, and doesn't break any laws. Um, yeah, we're not no looking for <laughs> No law breaking, um, but rule breaking for sure. Now, just to end off, um, is there any message that that you really want to get out uh for for i guess let's do one for any teachers that are listening in particular um any advice that you would have for them yeah if you are a teacher no matter where you are in the globe understand that there is a different way to do and to to do this profession there's a different way to make an impact you do not have to jump into the public school system or the state-sponsored school system it is possible to create your own thing, to do your own thing. Like you, can, you, can be, you really can be happy in this profession. Um, and you also don't have to be underpaid, right? Like you can, you can make money in this profession as well. Um, it takes work like everything else. Um, it takes courage like everything else. And it takes a, like a really healthy relationship with fear like everything else. But uh, you can do it. And uh, I'm a resource, reach out to me. Let me know what you're thinking or what you want to do. And I'm, I'm always down to help people out. 
If people want to get in touch with you, if they want to follow you, where is the best place for them to do that? I spend most of my time on LinkedIn. So uh, I'm the number one Mikey Yates on LinkedIn. So if you just search Mikey Yates. Also, Demi and I are connected there. So you can find me through there. Um, I'm, I'm also on Twitter these days. My handle is at just Mike Yates. And then uh, you can go to my website, which is yatesmike.com. Congratulations on on all of your achievements. Um, if you want to follow Mike, all of the information and links will be in the show notes below. So don't worry if you didn't catch any of that. Thank you so, so much for chatting with me today. It's been an absolute delight. And uh, I'm so excited that there are people like you out there in the world that want to challenge things and uh, can rally up others to to band together and just really just be ballsy enough, uh, for lack of a better word, to, to just challenge the way things have always been and for real progress and change to be made. I'm so curious and excited to see where the next 10 years takes you and, and where all of these projects Uh, and students that have been a part of them really go. Yeah, yeah, me too. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm actually, I've become such a big fan of your podcast, what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I listened to your last episode about like, you know, like a woman's, how some women feel guilty to say no. You're doing amazing work. So you're doing amazing work. And I'm glad you're here. Thanks so much. Thank you. That's really lovely. Tweet Mike or, or tag Mike in a, in a LinkedIn post if you do the challenge um, because I'm yeah. sure he's going to want to see, see what's happening there. But yeah, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Another special thank you to Mike for jumping on the podcast. Honestly, that was one of my favourite chats and I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. If you do anything right after you listen to this, go and have a listen to one of his TED Talks. They are so good and you just see him in action. It's really nice to see. If you are in the space of education, reach out to Mike. He is always looking to help people out or see what other people are doing that are really cool. That is all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you really enjoyed it, please subscribe or rate the podcast if you haven't already. If you do this week's challenge, make sure to tag me and Mike in your stories or send us a DM and let you know how you went. I am so interested to see how people take on this challenge. If you want to talk more about the challenge, please jump on to our Facebook community, The Millennial Crisis. All that is always linked in the show notes. So that is all for this week's episode. I will see you again next week.